Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 109 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. We have a very special guest in my little podcast studio, and today we are so happy that Matthew Rayo has joined the studio. Welcome, Matthew. Hello. So I brought Matthew in here today because he has been an 18-year-old adult for February, March, a little over a month now, actually almost two months, and he has had a lot of profound moments being an a teenage adult. So I brought him today to talk about some of those things and how that's changed his perspective on um, some of the things that we do as a family and doing some of the things that he participates in with leadership and other opportunities. So first of all, start off by telling us, um, what does it feel like to be a teenage adult? Um, I mean, it feels pretty good. Um, finally, getting to like mature and everything and um yeah so what was the main difference that you've really noticed from turning 17 to 18 what are some of the things that you've you've noticed a difference in anything um yeah uh, i'd say just my perspective on things you know i've being a youth going on like hunts and stuff boy scout camps you um you're always on the youth side you're doing all the work but um being with the adults now, now that I'm 18 in Boy Scout camps or anything, it's like a different perspective off of everything. So, so you mentioned, let's talk a little bit about Boy Scouts. You've been a, a lifetime scouter. You started when you were, what, five yeah. as a little tiger in Cub Scouts. So you've done your time. You've you've gone through Cub Scouts. You've got your Weebolo. You crossed over Boy Scouts. You got your Eagle Scout. And now... You've learned through scouting, and one of the things that I'm such a big advocate of of scouting, because it does teach you responsibility, maturity, leadership, all of those good core values that we try to instill in our youth of today. So you got to experience all of that for many years on the youth side of things. So in scouts, once you turn 18, you officially age out of Boy Scouts, and you can cross over and be categorized as an adult now. So Matthew got to experience a recent camp out last weekend, and there were probably 
what, 20 or so young scouts. And there was a couple adults and Matthew. He got to hang out with the adults on this trip. So what did you guys do on this camp out? It was, I know it was a canoe trip through the Louisiana bayous and the swamps, but what else did you do on this camp out? We um, went to uh, multiple crawfish farms and um, got to tour that. That was really cool seeing like the process of crawfish and the hard work you see behind your food on the table. So uh, that's what we got to see as a troop and as an adult. It's just kind of like step back and oversee everything, but you're not really doing any of the work. That's what the scouts are for. And so it was kind of nice experiencing not moving the ice chest and everything and having other people do that for me. So so what what do you usually do on a camp out when we get to our, you know, load up location? The scouts are usually responsible for organizing all of the gear and everything into our trailer that we carry with us to our destination. So Matthew, for the past, what, seven years, you've been kind of in that leadership role in scouts, helping people organize and put things in the right spot in the trailer. And what happened on this trip when you oversaw or observed the scouts do their organizational skills or lack thereof? Because now in their defense, they're learning yeah. Right. They're young yeah. and you're trying to teach them as an older scout who they look up to. They are learning how you do things and how you guide them. So tell me what happened when we got to our destination. Well, this was the first time I didn't organize a trailer, you know, the younger scouts. But let me throw this in there, too. So when usually we leave, it's usually around 6 p.m. at night by the time people get out of school and off work. So you're loading up your trailer, usually at dark, but under the lights, under the um, flashlights or headlamps. And when you're traveling upwards of, you know, what, four hours, I think this trip was, what time did you get to your campsite? We got to the campsite about 10, 30, 11. And on a, they went to a Boy Scout camp. They actually went to Swamp Base, which is a pretty cool Boy Scout camp. And when you get to a Boy Scout camp, is there usually lighting? No. So let me, I just set the stage. So now go ahead and tell us what happened when you rolled in about what, midnight? Yeah, about that time. So um, this was the first time that I didn't load the trailer. Um, the younger scouts are learning because it's a new generation of scouts coming in. And whenever they opened the trailer door, there was a upside down ice chest with ice and water and everything frozen just all over the gear. And so... Um, I had to teach the quartermaster, you know, how to strap down the ice chest properly and everything after I got my wet gear out. And so, yeah, I mean, that was it. It's just overseeing what you're teaching them along the way. So what was the reaction of the young scouts when the trailer doors opened and they saw their gear all shuffled around and the ice chest tumped over? They were all just kind of like frozen. They just what like we're looking at their soaked gear and... I had to uh, advise the quartermaster to start getting them going, you know, start doing something, getting the ice out, moving gear. So, yeah. So then how um, difficult was it to lead every one of them to get their campsite set up? I mean, are, is that something that comes natural to people is to pitch a tent in the pitch dark? No, I mean, um, but that's also the thing of being an adult is you don't want to do everything 
And you also kind of want to leave the scouts that have leadership roles to do it. So I wasn't really helping the scouts per se, but helping the leaders learn how to lead their group. Because that's not my job to um, lead a troop as an adult now. My job is to kind of guide the leaders into leading the people under them. So, I mean, I was next to the SPL all weekend and the patrol leaders getting them uh, and their boys um, going and rolling. So I wasn't really focused on the scouts. I was focused on the leaders to give them my advice after doing this for so many years to um, get the troop moving, getting things done. Because scouting is like a hierarchy. So you have your SPL, which stands for? Uh, The senior patrol leader, like the head of the troop the youth leader so they are elected four times a year i think is when our troop does elections Mm -hmm. they are elected by their troop and they are chosen to be the person in charge of leading the entire troop and then the entire scout troop is broken down into smaller groups called patrols and within each patrol they elect um uh, patrol leaders they're patrol leaders so it's a hierarchy so if someone has a problem or a question or a, a struggle they don't ever go running to the adults they should what's the hierarchy well if they have a problem um we uh they go to their um assistant patrol leader or patrol leader and they try to get that solved out and if the patrol leader cannot um get the problem figured out and they go to the ASPLs, which the, is the, uh, the assistant senior patrol leaders, which is like the kind of like the vice president. And if the ASPLs can't um, get the problem figured out, then it goes to the SPL. And finally, if the SPL can't figure it out, then that's when it goes to the adults. So that's just kind of what this weekend I was trying to guide the hierarchy. The hierarchy mm-hmm. can't pronounce that, but um, I was trying to. Get that system flowing, not to where the scouts are going straight to the adults, but if they, if a scout had a problem and ran to the adults, we would send them back and go talk to your patrol leader. So, obviously, a lot of the adult leaders who were on this camp out, they also had kids in the, in the troop on the camp out as well. Are there any moms and dads on scout weekends? No. Um, it's all adults and youth. It's not, once you step onto camp property, I mean, it's... There's no mom, dad. It's you're if you have a child and you're on the camp, I mean, it's not like you're their parent. Like they don't come running to you if they have something. They need to go to their patrol leader, senior patrol leader. But on a camp out, a parent is now an adult and so they don't really intertwine that much. So do they still sometimes? Is it a learning curve where we have to teach not only the scouts to not go run into mom or dad, but sometimes we have to teach the parent to stop coddling little son on the campouts, right? Yeah. So um, a lot of times you will get new parents and new scouts. And since they're new to it, they don't really know um, how to how the system works. So a lot of times... I mean, the parent will just be really caring for their child because, I mean, it's his first time outside of the house, sleeping outside. And so that's just out of instinct. But you, they kind of have to learn. Um, that's not what you do in scouting. Scouting is Boy Scouts is where the, the youth learns how to do skills on his own. I mean, it's finally becoming dependent and it's making you mature um, and learn like life skills because your parents aren't always going to be around. And so that's kind of like the first step to maturing into adulthood is, you know, 
not really leaving your parent, but learning how to do things without them 24-7. So do you have any examples or funny stories from this last weekend? Well, yeah. I mean, we'd, uh, we'd have a lot of kids running up because they were cold or something, and they'd come running to the adults. And um, there are new parents, so then a lot of the older adults that have been around a lot, like a lot longer, um, they'd have to tell the parents, like, hey, I mean, yeah, it, it sucks seeing your kid being cold, but him learning from this experience, next camp out, he's going to pack warmer clothes. And so if it's not like life emergent, then it's just kind of you learn along the way. So, I mean, I've had my mistakes of doing that, you know, cold camp out whenever I was younger, not packing enough. If it was going to rain, not packing rain gear. And a lot of times my mom and dad wouldn't be on that camp out. So, I mean, I necessarily didn't have anyone to run to. I just kind of had to suffer through it and learn that next time when I hear it's going to rain, bring a rain jacket. So That's right. So um, any any experiences with um, the kids? Did you have to really call the kids out by telling them not to cross that invisible line of this is the adult side of camp, this is the scout side of camp? Did you have any moments um, not really. I mean, it wasn't too bad this first camp out. Um, a lot of times the older adults are really good about keeping in line and our uh, scout leader. He's really good about, you know, kids stay over there, adults stay over here. So it wasn't really a problem for me. Um, I just kind of did my own thing. So, so what happened, um, during the weekend when you guys were on your tours or when you were paddling, is there any, any funny stories that you have? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the kids, it was their first time on the water um, on a canoe, and so they didn't know how to work the canoe, you know, which way to paddle, uh, you know, paddle left, you go right, vice versa. So it was kind of funny watching them spin in circles for the first <laughs> couple minutes. And then once they got going, I mean, it went pretty smoothly. Um, we had to go through a lot of swamp trees and stuff, so scouts were definitely getting stuck on branches and everything. But they figured it out, and that's part of it. You just learn as you go. And, um, yeah, and then it was also funny, you know, the first time seeing scouts try crawfish for the first time. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that crawfish experience you had. Um, part of this trip was learning field to table and what it's like to, you know, harvest crawfish and go to the farms and watch the process. And then ultimately these young scouts were treated to a very nice, well, if you call those restaurants, because I don't do seafood, so the but a, a nice restaurant um, to enjoy the final product. So tell me about, you already mentioned that you went to the farm, the crawfish farm. What was that like? Did it stink? Um, no, not yeah. really. I mean, it just smelled like seafood. Would I have, would I have like gagged? Yeah, you would have. Yeah. But I mean, it was funny because I mean, um, the crawfish were, of course, alive, and they were in buckets, and the scouts were all picking them out, and they were running around, and they are getting pinched, and so um, that's just what the crawfish farm was like, just learning um, about all that. They went on the boats and got to pick up a couple traps and uh, take it back to shore, and then we went and saw how they got processed and cleaned through this really big machine with water filtrations, all that sanitary stuff. And then they were put in bags, and um, from the bags that they are put in, they uh, they get shipped off to a restaurant. And so that evening, that's where we went. We saw that all the crawfish that were being harvested, we now saw them, you know, after being boiled and seasoned, they're on our plates now. So, yeah, so you're all standing in line, 
right? Mm-hmm. And all the adults were ordering, what do they call it? The house plate or the house yeah, platter? Yeah, the house special. It was three pounds of crawfish and one pound of shrimp. Mm-hmm. And what did the scouts eat? Same thing? Yeah. Um, a lot of them got, instead of like the three-in-one uh, pounds, they got some got three pounds only because they didn't eat as much. Some got five pounds. Um, so, I mean, there was just a whole bunch of variations. So, John, I mean, uh, Matthew was with John John, his brother, and Luke was also on this camp out, too. So the three of them got to experience this. And of course, we don't treat them to crawfish because it's pricey and the prices vary. And last year was a bad season. Do they talk about the prices? Yeah. um, Since it's been cold most of this year, I mean, the crawfish have been um, a little scarce. So I mean, it's like supply and demand, low supply. Um, The prices go up. So it was just a bad season. I mean, I think it's almost six or seven bucks a pound. Try again. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, a little bit more than that. A little more. But. So, yeah. So knowing that it was a bad season, and I'm sure they told you about that, right? That it's a bad season. Yeah. The prices are higher. Well, so, no, not the farmers. The farmers were just kind of like, you know, go to our restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so Matthew goes in line, and knowing that this was a bad year and prices are higher, what did you order, Matthew? I just ordered the three and one. Three pounds of crawfish and one pound of shrimp, right? And what did John John order? Same thing. Same thing, right? And your drinks, of course, and your sides. So I'm I'm at home, and I get this text message from Matthew telling me to please sell him some money because you opened up your ticket. And what did you see? It was like 105 bucks for two meals. I was like, oh my God. $105 for John John and Matthew to have total six pounds of, sh- of crawfish and yeah. two pounds of shrimp. Yeah. $105. Yeah. yeah. So what was the life lesson you learned from that? Um, Wait for a good season to eat crawfish. Yeah. And maybe not order three pounds. No. <laughs> so Matthew guzzled down all of it i've got pictures and so did john john how did luke do he ate more than us <laughs> yeah he liked it right oh yeah and when you guys when you guys talked to us what did you say welcome we never get to go out for seafood like this yeah <laughs> okay so to do the math simple math two people cost 105 dollars. what would six of us cost like 300 yeah exactly which is why we don't do that so so you got to learn um those kinds of lessons and then of course being an adult on this camp out um sort of acting acting as an adult on this camp out tell me about the next day when you guys got up and were dropping camp to go home did anybody have any struggles or issues yeah most definitely i mean a lot of the younger scouts i mean it was cold it was like in the 20s and keep in mind a lot of them didn't pack warm enough so um they uh, they got out, they were cold, and they were all frustrated because a lot of them couldn't close their tents out in the dark. And so um, I um, did my best to oversee. You know, I know being an adult is kind of the hard thing about it is I'm so used to being involved with everyone, helping. It's like now I, ha- I like have to take a step back. And, and not do it yourself. Yeah, and so I was trying to do that my best, you know, seeing scouts fold it wrong and stuff. It was hard not to just say, move out of the way and let me do it. It was kind of like I had to stand back and teach them. Um, But, yeah, I mean. And just like any youth, they listened to everything that an adult said, uh, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what was that struggle like? Um, I mean, they just, uh, there were some that 
were so cold. They, I mean, they just wanted to do things their way, just kind of mashing the, the tent into its bag, and they didn't want to fold it properly, which would have been a pain later on for the next person that used it. So, I mean, I kind of had to teach them to stand back and figure out the problem, you know, fold it, um, fold the tent properly, roll it properly, um, so that way it would fit in the bag. And so that was just a mess, but, I mean, they got through it. <laughs> So do you like being on the scout side of things or the adult side of things? Honestly, I like the scout thing because the adult's nice, you know, standing back, not really doing anything. But again, it's kind of hard to just watch and not do because I'm so used to, you know, getting involved. With That'll it. pass. The more campouts you go on as an adult, you'll get more and more used to getting things done, not yeah. having to jump in the middle of yeah, everything. But as of right now, I mean, it's a little hard just to kind of not do it myself, so... Yeah. Well, the first thing Matthew said when he came home was, no wonder you go on so many campouts. Y'all don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys eat so much better than we do. Oh, yeah. The adults our, can. Our scoutmaster can cook. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like going. I always gain weight when I go on a camp out with the adults because they sure can do that Dutch oven cooking and yeah. all that fun stuff. So, well, good. So now let's let's shift over a little bit. So you do have a job, right? Yes. Tell us again what you do for you're um, living. I work at Bailey's House of Guns. It's a gun range in uh, Houston, and I RSO the ranges. So what does that mean? Um, I oversee uh, the ranges and the safety, like range safety officers, what RSO stands for. So you just kind of oversee uh, the ranges, make sure people are safe, and make sure that people are good and don't need help. And if they do, you do help them, like sighting in their scope, bore sighting, all that stuff. So what has it been like? I mean, you started this job, what, a year? Have you been there a year? Um, I'd say a good eight months, about September, October. Yeah. Well, we've known this range owner and the family, you know, as long as I've been here and the kids grew up with the family. So um, good people. If you give a shout out to, to Bailey's, if you haven't ever been there, go check them out. But they hired Matthew on to, to do the range operation over the weekends to help out on the ranges. But what has it been like um, when you first started and you've been around guns and firearm safety your whole life? You know, this is this is all you know is how to be safe around firearms because of your parents, of course, and because of everything you do. But what has it been like starting out there and now that you're an adult and you've got some experience under your hat, What what's the difference? Have you noticed any change in the way... Um, in your confidence in talking to people or in your confidence in helping people or in how people approach you? Have you noticed any difference lately? Yeah, I mean, I got I definitely got experience because whenever I first joined, it was right at the beginning of deer season. And so the range was absolutely packed. And so I kind of jumped in right as the train was moving really fast. And so I had to go in and I had to learn because, I mean, there were the, the ranges were filled up. We had people in line. It was just chaos. And so um, I had to go and, um, you know, deal with all of that with my other uh, range safety officers. You know, they were helping me, of course, getting started. But, I mean, it was kind of good that I got to experience, you know, like what it was like really busy at the gun range. Because now, since deer season's over, things have kind of slowed down a little bit. It's about to pick up soon again during summer. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten more confident with what I'm talking about and what I'm doing just seeing it because I mean you can study it you can learn about it but like once you're actually doing it for so long you just learn um, what to do in certain situations 
so you've probably experienced some interesting scenarios, right? There's there's yes. good people with guns and there's squirrely people with guns, right? Yes. And not everybody has been trained the way we've been trained. And unfortunately, not everybody knows gun safety and they tend they can be careless. Um, yeah. And a lot of times that careless doesn't always mean that they intend to be sloppy with guns, but you don't know what you don't know. If if they've never learned gun safety, they just don't know the ways to be safe. So yeah. does that help you? I mean, do you help in those situations if you see people doing things that are unsafe with their finger on the trigger or their muzzles not pointed in a safe direction? Do you ever step in and help them? Yeah, I mean, definitely with new shooters. You know, a lot of times new shooters will definitely say, you know, they're new. They have no idea what to do because, I mean, it's a firearm, you know. It can be intimidating. So um, if it's your first time, you want – you. a lot of people just admit it. They uh, they want the help. So you will watch them shoot. You, you watch them load. I mean, you watch every little thing they do. And just doing this for so long, I mean, I know what to look for. You know, little things, finger on the trigger – um after pulling the trigger looking right off the scope i mean it's just little things and since they're new shooters you can break the bad habits before it turns into a long-term term habit so i mean yeah helping new shooters definitely is something that i do out there um just to help them get the fundamentals right because i mean uh accuracy will come with time but the fundamentals you want to learn at the very start and the better you learn them from the start the better you'll be and um, then you have uh, people that have been shooting a long time, and um, a lot of them haven't had proper training, and they might be doing something unsafe or something that might be jumping their shot. And so sometimes they won't take your advice because they've been shooting for 40 years, and a lot of times they will because um, a lot of people at that gun range are just very open-minded. And so um, you just get a mix of everybody, experience to beginner, you know, I mean, I've seen great marksmen and I've seen not so great marksmen, but I mean, it's just anything you can do to help um, so that everyone has a fun time out there. And doesn't that make you a better shooter as well? Because you're seeing things out on the range that you might have never thought of, good, bad or indifferent. I mean, you might be seeing something really unsafe and obviously, you know, never to do that. But you might see a technique that you've never thought about, you know, maybe on the shotgun range or, you know, on the, the rifle range, maybe they're using a certain way, certain hold or something that's making them have a really accurate shot or a successful day that you might not have ever thought about. Yes, uh, definitely. Just because I are so out there doesn't mean I know everything. Um, I've learned a lot from really good shooters. You know, you'll have some people out there giving you little tips and everything, you know, um, I learned how to bore sight without using like the little scope to do it. I mean, I learned how to take the barrel out and look at the scope and through the barrel. So that's always fun. Um, just learning new things. So, I mean, I definitely don't go over there closed minded. I want to go like, uh, to work with a very open mind because you never know what you see. You might see a firearm that you've never seen in your life and want to learn how it's used. Um, you'll see a couple muzzle muzzle loaders out there. And that's always fun to watch them and learn how to pump all the so lead like, and everything in there. It's interesting. So like black powder where they load yes. all the components of the shot through the muzzle end. Yes. Like the old musket guns. Yes. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about 
the owner of Bailey's, BJ Bailey, what does he do or what does he do on the side that you really admire and it's a big old bucket list item of yours? He um team ropes uh for the rodeos and stuff and I've always been interested in my my um uh, thing to knock off the bucket list is just to steer us one time. It doesn't have to be in the rodeo. It could be in a little private ring, but you know, just to jump off a horse onto a steer. I don't know why I want to do it, but just something like that. And so, I mean, when I say Mr. BJ knows everybody, he knows everybody. So what makes you say that? Um, I mean, he took me to, uh, for the Houston rodeo, like the, where all the cowboys stay and all their horses and all the bucking Bronx and bulls you see. He took me to that area and it was really cool. Cause I got to see, I actually, uh, he saw, or we met up with um, an actual steer wrestler, steer wrestler, my fault, that you see, you know, you might see on a Monday night at the rodeo. So I mean, it's it's just cool. Or seeing. who wins the big prize and ends up in Vegas at the national finals? Yeah, I mean, it's just very cool because I mean, everything that you see in the stadium or whatever arena, uh, it was just cool, kind of going into the back and seeing what goes on behind the scenes. You know that. Uh, everyone thinks that all these cowboys are just living the life, dreaming and everything. No, I mean, they're, they're literally in trailers. It's um, Wearing the same clothes for 30 days straight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's interesting. And it's just cool, like, looking, because right by all their trailers, they had um, a stable where all their horses were. And you just, you're looking at horses that are, like, three-time world-winning horses, and they're just right there in front of you. So, I mean, it's just really cool and unique to see. And then all these... Um, across the street, you have this big pasture of all these broncs um, that you'll see bucking all these cowboys off and all that. So, I mean, it's just very cool to see. So, any closing thoughts or comments that you'd like to wrap it up? Um, Yeah. So, just basically, overall, um, being around firearms my entire life, it just um, it helped me become more mature, definitely. I mean, being handed one of those things that could do very serious damage i mean it it's just maturing you learn responsibility how to take care of it you know how to be responsible with the firearm and leadership too is a big thing because being out there teaching people how to properly care for these things so that firearms don't really get a bad rap anymore i mean it's just uh being around all this stuff just really helped me grow in all of this so how young do you think somebody should be to learn firearm safety um absolutely um as young as they can comprehend it so like if you have firearms in the house i mean definitely if you have a seven eight nine year old son girl whoever definitely just take them through a class talk with them have a sit down talk and just teach them instead of hiding it get them really familiar with the firearm because if they happen to get a hold of it Instead of them being confused and wanting to play around with certain buttons and triggers, um, if you actually sit down and teach your, the youth, you know, what it is, don't hide nothing, you know, it's very dangerous, let them know that. Always point in the safe direction, teach them the safety. If you teach them that and they ever get their hands on a firearm, they'll know exactly what to do. And more than that, if they're ever at somebody's house or stumble upon a firearm, they'll know what to do and to not play with something that they're not authorized to have or they shouldn't be around. So it's always important, you know, we, again, growing up in our house, we've got 
lots of firearms and we've raised our kids around firearms and, and safety is always the number one thing we teach. Um, they learned at such a young age that each of them actually took their first deer, each of them at age seven. So if that just shows how important firearm safety is to our family and always teaching them the right and responsible way. So getting that training, getting that leadership, getting that reputable, um, responsible way to learn is always the right right path. So thank you, Matthew, Yep, my young adult um, in my life, for sharing some of your experiences. Um, we appreciate it. And always remember that there is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters, and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo. And I'm Matthew Rowe. And you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.